Hello, and welcome to The Potential of Words, a podcast about the amazing absurdity of the English language. I'm Jessica Bertkatcha, and let's get started. I love English. I love everything about English. Its quirks, puns, idioms, ridiculous rules. Its tendency to straight up steal from other languages, with no regard for spelling or grammar. I've always loved English, and its ability to convince and confuse at the same time. I love languages in general, and perhaps if I'd been born a francophone or... Russian or Japanese speaker, I'd love those languages instead, but I'd like to think that I would still have a soft spot for English. The problem is, as much as I love English, it clearly does not love me. The same rough disregard shown when jumping other languages in alleys and rifling through their pockets for loose grammar, it also displays to its native speakers. At first, it seems to follow simple rules. And then you start learning the exceptions to those rules. And then you learn the rules that govern those exceptions. And then you learn the exceptions that defy logic. And then, often, you give up. I once heard someone liken the English language to chess. And it has become, by far, my favorite analogy. One that I often take too far. It's fairly easy to learn English and to be able to make yourself understood on a basic level, just as you can learn the names and moves of all the pieces on a chessboard and technically play the game. With a little bit of practice, English and chess both become easier and you learn tips and tricks that allow you to accomplish more and make you seem more competent to anyone looking on. The problem is getting beyond this. Mastering chess and mastering the English language are both things that take a ridiculous amount of time and study and that most people don't think are worth it. The other part of this that those of us who have taken the time to attempt to master the language or chess often lord it over others who have a less thorough understanding, not realizing that our pomposity is just making us unpopular. I say us because I am, unfortunately, one of those people. I have three university degrees designed to help me correct other people's use of English. My undergrad was in the history of the English language with an emphasis on linguistic morphology, which I followed up with a teaching degree in English. To top it all off, for no reason other than my own edification, I then got a publishing degree that focused heavily on proofreading and copywriting. The end result of this is that I have spent over a decade trying to figure out all the twists and turns of an outlandish Germanic language that refuses to follow Germanic rules, 
that is spoken by over 1.5 billion people in over 50 countries, and is, of course, changing as rapidly as one would expect from such a global language. I know an absurd amount about English, its histories, its rules or lack thereof, and its cultural impact. And yet, I think I'm probably more confused than I was all those years ago. Still, I wouldn't give up my love affair with the English language for anything. And I think it's something that will continue for many years. My aim with this podcast is to share my love of the language with you too. To share all the things that make me laugh and cry. To educate you perhaps on some of the rules that your brain knew existed but couldn't put into words. And possibly to have something to show for all those years of study. I also want to highlight some of the potential problems that such a tricky language presents, especially in these days of heightened anxiety, political correctness, and the quote-unquote social justice warrior. I think it is often easy for misunderstandings to occur when we're communicating with words, and a language like English just makes this more difficult. So I will be speaking as often as possible on my take on how we communicate with each, each, with each other how we speak, and how we listen. How we can say one thing, and someone else can hear another. And hopefully I can help clear up some misunderstandings. So, hopefully, loyal listeners, come with me on a journey into the quintessential quagmire that is the potential of words in the English language. Let's start with a history of the English language. English, as it were, really started back in the 5th century AD. Three Germanic tribes crossed the North Sea from northern Germany, as well as what is currently Denmark, and invaded Britain. These tribes were called the Angles, the Saxons, and the Jutes, although I'm sure you've probably only heard of the first two. When these invaders showed up, the majority of the inhabitants of Britain spoke some sort of Celtic language. And when they fled to the west and north, they went into what is now Wales, Scotland, and Ireland. So a lot of the tensions that we were feeling during Brexit and so on with the Northern Irish border, Scotland trying to leave and all that, has been going on for over 1,500 years and was possibly started by the Germans? Well, of the three tribes, the Angles came from Angoland, and their language was called English. And obviously, these are pretty similar to the terms we still use today. The other two tribes spoke a fairly similar language, and they were all able to communicate with each other. These three dialects merged to become what we call Old English. Now, I studied Old English in university, and it does not look or sound very much like the English we speak today. This is an excerpt of one of the most famous Old English poems, Beowulf. Have a listen, and I'll tell you what is being said, and you can see if you feel that you are able to understand any of it. All credit to Svein Ullersen from the Old Norse Tongue Project. Beowulf West thou, Hrothgar, Hal, it's em hulakus mai, and mago thine. 
may wear grandless thing on minre edel turf and burnacuth. And nu, with grandeur, shall with ham aglachan ana yehegan thing with thurse. Under Hilrot's roof, the hero strode, hardy neath helm, till the hearth he neared. Beowulf spake, his breastplate gleamed, warnet woven by wit of the smith. Thou, Hrothgar, hail! Hyglax, I, kinsman and follower. These Grendel deeds I have heard in my homeland, heralded clear. Grendel now, monster, cruel, be mine to quell in single battle. Did you get any of that? There you go. That's Old English. If you recognized some of the words, good on you. And in fact, more than half of the most commonly used words in modern English have Old English roots. But these are also words you would find familiar if you heard someone speaking German. Obviously, there's a reason for this. English was spoken in England until around 1100 AD, at which point we had new invaders. Now it's time for the French. In 1066, William the Conqueror, the Duke of Normandy, which is part of modern-day France, invaded and conquered England. He was the leader of a group of peoples called the Normans, and they brought with them Norman French. And this is where one of the most fun linguistic class divisions occurs. Well, fun in my opinion. The lower classes, which were ironically made up of people descended from the previous invaders, now called Anglo-Saxons, still spoke English. And the upper classes, mostly made up of the invading Normans, spoke their version of French. Over time, English became more dominant as the two languages merged somewhat, and a new dialect called Middle English emerged, which was similar to the previous iteration, but with more French spelling and words thrown in. This might be more familiar to some people, as it is the English that many great poets such as Chaucer wrote in. But it would still be somewhat difficult to understand, I think. This is an excerpt from a poem by Chaucer, and you can come to your own decision about it. This recording is courtesy of the ALA Office for Intellectual Freedom, and my thanks to them. Just to give you a bit of context, it is the beginning of Chaucer's The Canterbury Tales, and is the part where the host tells the pilgrims about the contest that they will be engaging in, in which they tell stories to each other, as well as when he outlines the reward for whoever wins. Let's see if you can pick that up. Lordings, quod he, nu herkneth for the beste, but tak it not, ye pray you, in disdain. This is the point, to spake in short and plain, that each of you, to shorter with your wire, in this viage, shall tell a talas twire, to Canterbury ward, ye mean it so, and homeward he shall tell an other a two of aventures that wheelom han befalle. And which of you that beareth him best of Allah, that is to sign, that tellin' in this cast, 
talas of best sentence and most solace shall have a supper at or aller cost. Here in this place, sitting be this post, one way come again for Canterbury. And for to make you the more merry, he will me selvin gladly with you reader, richt at mine own cost and be your guide. Did you catch any of that? As you can see, Middle English is a lot closer to what we speak today. But if you happen to be trapped in time and got stuck in Chaucer's era, you probably could understand what people were trying to say to you. But it would be very difficult for them to understand what you were trying to say to them. Now, I said this is where one of the most fun linguistic class divisions occurs. And the reason why I think it's fun is that you can still see it today in something that people probably don't think about very often. I'm Canadian, and therefore I grew up speaking both English and French. But it never really occurred to me to think about why some of the words in English were the same as some of the words in French until I was studying Middle English and this fun class divide. The Anglo-Saxons spoke a Germanic version of English, and being the now peasant class, they were in charge of a lot of very menial duties, which included tending livestock. The Normans were the ruling class, and being rich and powerful, they really didn't feel like slaughtering their own food, and therefore, they only really encountered animals meant for eating as slabs of meat on a plate. In the current English language, we have words for some farm animals, such as pig or cow, which are actually very similar to the words used in Old English or Anglo-Saxon. But our words for the meat produced by these animals, pork and beef, are almost identical to the words in French. This is a class division represented in a language almost a thousand years after the words were introduced. Now, perhaps I'm just a huge nerd, but I think that's awesome. In fact, I think pretty much everything about English is awesome. Learning Old English and Middle English, seeing how the language was born and has evolved over hundreds of years was amazing. But what really changed my life was seeing how it affected the lives of people today. Children can understand basic words as early as nine months old, and most can speak, that is, making specific sounds and knowing what those sounds mean, before they're a year old. Not to say that a child who doesn't talk by this time is lagging, but we should be aware that what we say to people can affect them no matter their age, even babies. Next week, I'll delve further into the wonderful events that deepened my appreciation for language, as well as fed into my insatiable urge to share what I know, even if that means correcting people. But for now, I will leave you with a fun fact that you can share with anyone you know. I am is often touted as the shortest possibly grammatically correct sentence. But it's not. Technically, since imperatives imply their subject, you can just say, go. And it's a complete phrase at only two letters. So, go. Go forth and speak, write, sign, 
whatever you need to communicate. Remember to communicate with kindness. And go leave a comment or review on this episode. Let me know what you think. Talk to you later. Once again, thank you to the Old Norse Language Project and the ALA Office for Intellectual Freedom for providing the fantastic recordings of Old and Middle English that we heard today. My eternal gratitude to the wonderful Craig Harris for composing our intro and outro theme. And of course, my thanks to Anchor.fm, the podcasting platform that allows me to put this out there for all of you to hear.